You are Locked On Timberwolves, your daily Minnesota Timberwolves podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Wolves podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. My name is Ben Beacon. I'm the host of Locked On Wolves. I'm also the co-editor of Dunking with Wolves, the Timberwolves site, and the Fansided Network. Happy Wednesday, everybody. Happy Hump Day. We're still another day away from the next Timberwolves Las Vegas Summer League game. Still basking in the glove. Nathan Knight's breakout performance on Monday night in the Wolves Summer League opening win over, over the uh, San Antonio Spurs. But uh, today, a few Wolves notes to get to. Uh, not a ton happening at the moment, although there's still some free agent moves that could be have or free agency moves, minor ones, of course, for the Wolves, just given their lack of cap space. There's a few notes out there. Um, Darren Wolfson Doogie on his Scoop podcast had a few great notes this week that I want to kind of expand on a little bit. I want to talk through what what those rumors are and then, you know, the names he mentions that the Wolves have kicked the tires on kind of dig in a little bit. And then I want to, you know, use that because because, well, I guess not all the names are are power forwards, but I want to dig into the power forward thing a little bit because that's all we've talked about for two years about what the Wolves need is they need power forward next to Cat. They need to find a four. They need to find a permanent solution, a future power forward for this team. Um, the Wolves have like five guys in the roster that could fill that role. Is the is the multi-headed monster at power forward going to work for the Wolves this year? What could it look like? What are the different forms that the Wolves front court could take? I mean, Gerson Rosas loves flexibility. He loves positional versatility, switchability, all the things that, uh, well, I mean, I guess today's NBA in general, it's, it's important to have those things. But Rosas appears to really enjoy positional flexibility, and he's got it. I mean, he's got tons of guys that can play the four. Do the Wolves have the answer on the roster currently, at least for the near term? So I want to get into that here in a minute after we hit on all these rumors here off the top. Um, a reminder, you can follow this podcast anywhere you listen to podcasts. That includes Apple, Google, Spotify, and of course, the all-new Odyssey app. You can also follow on Twitter at LockedOnTWolves and at BBeacon. That's two Bs, two Es, C-K-E-N. All right. Uh, all these rumors here off the top are, are courtesy of Darren Wolfson over at the Scoop Podcast. Doogie is, uh, you know, KSTP in the Twin Cities as well as Score North does this podcast, does a fantastic job covering all sports in the Twin Cities. Um, so I'm going to rattle off these rumors and then I want to dig into each of them individually. One, one of them is something we've talked about over the past week to 10 days here on the show. And that, well, yeah, I guess 10 days ago, roughly is when free agency started. Um, the Timberwolves want to retain both of the restricted free agents, Jordan McLaughlin, Jared Vanderbilt. We know that Wolfson had reported previously that the Wolves met with both of them in Los Angeles when free agency opened and that they have interest in bringing them both back. I've talked about how I do think both players will end up back in Minnesota. I think that's, that's, the Wolves need a backup point guard still, right? Right now their backup point guard is McKinley Wright, a two-way contract signee who I think will do a good job and be a good pro, but they need another point guard and they want McLaughlin back. Um, Jared Vanderbilt is one of those point or one of those power forwards, excuse me, that we'll talk about here later in the show as this kind of just stable of power forwards that the Wolves have, but they still want him back for you know, all the reasons we've talked about on the show. I mean, the energy, the toughness, the rebounding, the defensive intensity, um, the athleticism, all those 
He's got a little bit of an edge that he plays with. All those things that the Wolves really are lacking. I mean, they don't have another guy with a skill set like that. The closest thing would be Josh Okogie, but he's obviously, you know, uh, to, he's a wing. Um, Jared Vanderbilt is can guard bigs. Um, you know, he's not going to play play the five with much success most of the time, but he's a four who can switch on to threes and fives and, and can rebound the ball at his position, and, and the Wolves sorely need that. They want them both back, and and Wolfson talks about that. He says of the two, they're closer on McLaughlin, and then also that there's other teams that are interested in extending offer sheets to Jared Vanderbilt. But again, as we've talked about on the show, teams don't have cap space. There's only a couple teams that actually have cap space. So to clear any semblance of legitimate room to extend an offer sheet to a player like Vanderbilt is challenging for other teams. And the Wolves are basically biding their time. They know that, obviously. So there was no reason to rush out and overpay Vando to keep him um, or whatever the case might be, or, you know, overpay him on an extension. So they're just, they, they know that there aren't that many other options. It's basically what happened with Jordan McLaughlin a year ago. Um, and you feel bad for the players, of course, but um, the Wolves are well within their rights to do this. But remember last offseason, McLaughlin was in a tough spot. Other teams were interested. He was a restricted free agent coming off his first two-way contract. He didn't sign his second two-way deal with Minnesota until the very brief training camp had actually started. So he didn't sign until preseason games. Now it all happened within like two weeks last year, training camp and preseason. There were only, I think, two preseason games. Um, But McLaughlin didn't sign until very late. So he didn't even play in a game until after after the season had started a couple games, a few games in because he had to get his legs under him. But that was because other teams didn't have cap space. And, you know, why go somewhere else on a two-way deal when he was going to have opportunity in Minnesota and he was familiar with Minnesota? Um, Similar situation to Vanderbilt. Obviously, he wasn't a two-way guy. Um, And also McLaughlin again this year. Same deal, right? Other teams don't have cap space. Both of them are guys with some upside who have shown glimpses of being true rotation players on, on on potential playoff teams. But neither one has been able to find a new home. It makes sense why they'd both want to be in Minnesota and, of course, why the Wolves would want to bring them back. So... Sitting here today, as Wolfson says on the podcast, on, on the Scoop podcast, seems pretty likely that they're both going to be back in Minnesota because there's mutual interest and the Wolves actually do have a, a very, very small amount of cap space. So that's the most likely situation. Now, if they're both back, there aren't any other moves, right? There's no other addition. Um, and, and so the the next few names I want to talk about are are irrelevant, essentially, unless there's some other trade where they're able to, you know, dump some salary. But that's pretty unlikely at this point that that's going to happen. Um, so that's that's plan A is to bring those guys back. But there's always a chance that another team does extend an offer sheet to Vanderbilt and he goes elsewhere. If that's the case, um, the Wolves do have a handful of names that they've kicked the tires on, according to Wolfson. And that's the language he uses, kicking the tires. The interesting one that we hadn't heard yet this offseason, but we know the Wolves have had interest in in past seasons is Paul Millsap. Of course, spent the last few years with the Nuggets. Um, Josh Hart, who uh, the former Laker and Pelican, Dennis Schroeder, of course, with the Lakers last year, and then Laurie Markkinen, who we've talked quite a bit about. Um, also, he notes that the Wolves did not make a phone call on Kelly Oubre Jr. or Rashawn Holmes, both names that I'd talked about on the show's possibilities, but there was never a rumor that the Wolves were interested, and Wolfson confirms they never made a phone call on either player. They had some, we'll call it tertiary interest in uh, in Mo Harkless, who signed elsewhere as well. Um, but And then the other thing that do so... I want to dig into these four names less on marketing because I've talked quite a bit about him over the past few weeks, but Millsap, Hart, Schroeder, just a little bit here next segment. Also, he notes that the Wolves aren't going to make, are very unlikely to make a big trade at this point. And in Wolfson's words, there's quote, no path to a big trade. And, and that's, you know, almost identical to what I've been saying all off season. Um, You know, going back to 
before the offseason really started, when the playoffs, we were in the middle of the playoffs talking about potential Wolves moves. I always said that the most likely scenario is the Wolves do basically nothing this offseason, maybe a minor move. And the minor move they've made is the Rubio for Prince trade, picked up a second round pick along the way. And, and you know, there was maybe a 10% chance, I don't know, 10% seems right, that they pull off a blockbuster for Ben Simmons or, you know, John Collins was always really unlikely. You know, Bradley Beal was always really unlikely. Maybe it's Miles Turner. You know, there's a a chance they could pull off a blockbuster. If they couldn't do that, they were going to do virtually nothing. And that was just due to the salaries on their team, right? Teams aren't interested in trading for Jarrett Culver, Jake Lehman, Juancho Hernan Gomez. There's just no reason for a team to stick their neck out and say, oh, I want these guys. And combining a bunch of them together to match salaries isn't appealing. The Wolves didn't want to trade three, four first round picks for one of these moves. Um, other teams weren't interested in the Wolves combination of guys. Minnesota was never going to trade Anthony Edwards, Carl Anthony Towns, D'Angelo Russell, uh, pretty unlikely to trade Jaden McDaniels. So like, where's the, how does the trade happen? Um, the only possibility that something happens would be if the Sixers drastically low, lower their, their asking price for Ben Simmons, if there's an actual trade request, if the Wolves decide they're okay with trading D'Angelo Russell along with some picks for uh, for Ben Simmons. And also, the Sixers would have to be okay with taking on Russell's salary. And I've said all along, I don't think Daryl Morey wants D'Angelo Russell on a max contract. I get that it's an easy talking point in the national media to say, oh, well, they could get a star back with D'Angelo Russell. I don't think Daryl Morey thinks D'Angelo Russell's a star, at least not on a max contract. I, I think he's too savvy to do that. Um, and I don't think the Wolves are all that enthused about trading D'Angelo Russell either. He's worth more to the Wolves than he is to anyone else. Um, so it's, you know, it's really unlikely that a trade happens. And, you know, if it were to happen, I guess Simmons is really the only name that really makes sense at this point of any of any weight. Um, so it's always possible but Wolfson says on the show, as I've said all along, it's not likely, especially at this stage. So next, I want to talk about Millsap, Hart, and Schroeder briefly, and then get into the power forward debate. Uh, maybe not debate, I guess, conversation about about you know where, where do the Wolves go with the power forward position this year? Before we do that, though, let's talk about our friends at Headspace. Wouldn't it be great if there were a pocket-sized guy that helped you sleep or focus or simply be better? Well, there is. And if you have 10 minutes, Headspace can change your life. Headspace is your daily dose of mindfulness in the form of guided meditations in an easy-to-use app. Headspace is one of the only meditation apps advancing the field of mindfulness and meditation through clinically validated research. So whatever the situation, Headspace really can help you feel better. Overwhelmed? Headspace has a three-minute SOS meditation for you. Need some help falling asleep? Headspace has wind-down sessions their members swear by. And for parents, Headspace even has morning meditations you can do with your kids. Headspace's approach to mindfulness can reduce stress, improve sleep, boost focus, and increase your overall sense of well-being. Headspace is backed by 25 published studies on its benefits, 600,000 five-star reviews, and over 60 million downloads. Headspace makes it easy for you to build a life-changing meditation practice with mindfulness that works for you on your schedule anytime, anywhere. You deserve to feel happier and and Headspace is meditation made simple. Go to headspace.com slash locked on NBA. That's headspace.com slash locked on NBA for a free one month trial with access to Headspace's full library of meditations for every situation. This is the best deal being offered right now. Head to headspace.com slash locked on NBA today. Hey, let's also talk about Bilt Bar. Bilt Bar is the best tasting protein bar of all time. 
And uh, you know, I've been eating a lot of the raspberry ones lately. I just ordered some of the limited edition Rocky Road flavor. If you hurry, that might still be there, but I know that was only there for a little while. Built Bar is the best tasting protein bar ever. It tastes just like a candy bar. Um, if you're not into protein bars, you should be. Uh, but not just any protein bar, Bilt Bar, because they do taste delicious, um, seriously. And there's tons of flavors to pick from. Right now, you can get a mixed box. You'll get two of each of the nine main flavors. Check out the macros in Bilt Bar, 17 to 18 grams of protein, calories ranging from just 130 to 180 calories, only four to five grams of sugar and just four or five grams net carbs, depending on the bar. They're all amazing flavors. They're all tasty and healthy. They're the official protein bar of the U.S. track and field team. Of course, U.S. track and field just cleaned up at the Tokyo Olympics, um, so there you go. Be just like U.S. track and field with the official protein bar of U.S. track and field, Built Bar. Go to Built.com. Use the promo code LOCK15. You'll get 15% off your order. That's promo code LOCK15 for 15% off at Built.com. Okay, let's go ahead and, and uh, get into talking about these names that Darren Wolfson brought up. Let's start with Paul Millsap. Paul Millsap's been a favorite target of mine for the Wolves since he was a free agent from the Atlanta Hawks four years ago. That was a Tom Thibodeau offseason. In fact, I think that was it was the same offseason that he traded for Jimmy Butler. He traded away Ricky Rubio. He signed Jeff Teague. He signed Taj Gibson. The the big offseason, right? 2017. Millsap was 31 years old, coming off a fourth consecutive all-star appearance with the Atlanta Hawks and was a free agent. The Wolves were interested in Paul Millsap. I believe that the Millsap move would have been before Taj Gibson and maybe one other signing that they made, um, but they they could have made it work. Um, I, I, I think they still could have done Teague. I can't remember the order exactly, but they were interested in Paul Millsap, and there was at least some thought out there that the Wolves were one of the, it was like the Wolves, the Celtics, and the Nuggets, if I remember correctly, who were fighting for his services. He ends up going to Denver. Um, and signs a multi-year deal there. I think it was a three-year, like 60 million. Well, actually, I got it right here. It was a, uh, yeah, it, it was like a three-year 60-ish million. No, three years, 90 million, excuse me. Um, so a lot more than I thought it was. It was like 30 million a year. So it was a little bit more than the Wolves, I think, were able to offer. Um, but he goes to Denver. And of course, that next year, Denver loses in, in game 82 to the Wolves in 2000, April of 2018. The Wolves make the playoffs for the first time in 14 years at the time. And, uh, you know, Millsap and the Nuggets don't. But Millsap's there for two more years. Of course, the Nuggets have been fantastic or were, were great the next two years. He re-upped last year on a one-year deal to come back to Denver and obviously saw his role shrink. He's now 35, so he spent four years with the Nuggets. I've always thought he's a fantastic fit next to Carl Anthony Towns, even now. Um, and, you know, he averaged double digits his entire career until last season. He added a three-point shot and has actually been really reliable. In his years in Atlanta, he had had a couple of 31% three-point shooting years at the end of his career there. But for his career in Denver, he's 37.1% from three. So he's added a reliable three-point shot. He's always been a good enough rebounder. He's not a plus rebounder, but he's fine. He's a good defender. He's a great passer for his size um, and would just be a really nice fit next to Towns. The veteran, you know, hard-nosed guy, doesn't back down, brings that presence to the team. And, you know, at his peak was a four-time All-Star, was a, like a 19-7 and seven guy um, with the Hawks, basically. Uh, and he would be a great fit with Towns. He's still a free agent. He's going to be 36 this year. Last year, he was paid $10 million on the one-year deal with Denver. He's not going to get $10 million again. Um, in fact, Denver just signed, he may be still looking for 10 million. Denver signed Jeff Green to a two-year $10 million deal to replace him. Side note, I like Paul Millsap a lot more than I like Jeff Green. I understand that Paul Millsap's going to be 36 this year, 
but I'd rather give Paul Millsap one year and 10 million than Jeff Green two years and 10 million. I don't know, every day of the week, really. Um, but at any rate, Millsap's still a free agent. According to Wolfson, the, the Timberwolves have kicked the tires on Millsap. I don't know why he would come to Minnesota unless unless they're just the market completely dries up elsewhere. I mean, there's no cap space out there. He's going to have to settle basically for the mid-level exception or a portion of the mid-level exception. The Wolves have that. They have like nine-ish, nine and a half million in cap space. They're trying to bring back McLaughlin and Vanderbilt. So the only way Millsap ends up in Minnesota is if Vanderbilt returns on a reasonable salary and potentially, uh, you know, Vanderbilt maybe goes somewhere else, signs an offer sheet somewhere else. There could be some dollars left over for Millsap. But if all things are equal, he's going to take money with a true contender. And yeah, I, th- I think the Wolves will be a playoff team next year. But is Millsap going to take the same amount of money in Minnesota as he would with a team that's for sure going to be a playoff team? Maybe if he knows he'll get a little bit of a bigger role. Um, so I wouldn't shut the door on a Millsap thing, uh, on a Millsap possibility. I think it's pretty unlikely he ends up in Minnesota, as as is the case with all these names we're going to talk about. But he's my favorite fit of the names that Doogie mentions on his podcast and I, th- I still think he's a great fit with Towns. He would be an awesome mentor for Jaden McDaniels um, and, and also for Towns, for that matter, Nas Reed, um, the other big guys on the roster. And, and you know, we'll talk about the power forward potential rotation here next segment. But Millsap would become one of your top guys, obviously. He probably starts, um, and Jaden McDaniels maybe starts at the three. Beasley comes off the bench, and you kind of shuffle that a little bit. You know, certainly McDaniels will still play some minutes at the four. Um, but at any rate, that to me, is is a very intriguing fit. I just don't think the Wolves can get there. Um, and obviously, like I talked about before, their best case scenario or their preferred scenario is bringing back Jared Vanderbilt anyway. Um, okay, quickly, the other names that Doogie mentions, Josh Hart, I've never really been a big Josh Hart guy. And, you know, he's fine. He's a decent defender. He's, he's solid offensively. He's a career 35% shooter from three, although he's had a couple of subpar seasons. Really, his rookie year was his best year shooting the ball. He's had some injury issues as well. Uh, you know, he's still looking for some security on the free agency market. He's been kind of a, a role, mostly a bench player, both for the Lakers and Pelicans. Um, he went to New Orleans in the Anthony Davis trade a couple of years ago. Uh, so I don't know. I mean, he's he's just not, he's just kind of like a solid all around guy who could play the two and the three. I just don't know that he adds that much to the Wolves. They've got a bunch of wing guys. You know, where's he going to get minutes with Anthony Edwards, Malik Beasley, if D'Lo plays some two, uh, you know, next to McLaughlin or McKinley Wright, if you've got, uh, obviously Josh Kogi's in the mix, he's not going to bring, you know, Hart's a better offensive player than Akogi, but Akogi's um, a little better defensively than Josh Hart in my mind. So I just don't know that he adds much. He's also not going to be very expensive, I don't think. So again, if McLaughlin and or Vanderbilt don't come back, maybe, you know, maybe they say, okay, we'll, uh, we'll you know, we'll give McKinley Wright the backup point guard job or whatever. We'll sign Josh Hart for some additional depth on the wing because we know D'Lo won't really be playing the two. That's a possibility. I just don't think it's very likely, and I don't love the fit with Josh Hart. The other name um, that's not Laurie Markin is Dennis Schroeder. Now, Schroeder's going to be looking for a lot more money than the Wolves have. This really only makes sense if the market completely collapses for him, and there's a rumor, I think this was from Monday, actually, that the Celtics were close to signing him. That hasn't happened yet, so obviously anything could still happen. Um, I take that back. It has happened. Uh, late on, so I'm recording this uh, early on Wednesday, late Tuesday night, Dennis Shooter did sign with the Celtics for a one-year, $6 million deal. So it was the taxpayer mid-level exception when he signed with the Celtics. Um, so the Wolves could have done that. I, I, Another player, I've never really been a big Dennis Shooter fan. I just think he's not 
efficient enough offensively. I don't think he's consistent enough defensively. Um, just not a huge fan. So he goes to the Celtics for roughly six million. Um, and uh, the Wolves, I guess there's another name off the board. Uh, but again, they were never, it was never a realistic possibility for Minnesota to add him. Um, Laurie Markin and I've talked a ton about the, the only additional buzz, which I've seen in a couple places. Doogie mentions this, and, and I think it was Jake Fisher, Bleacher Report, who said this on Tuesday in an article. But the Bulls are looking for a first round pick in any sign and trade for Laurie Markin. Um, and, I talked about this possibility last week, specifically about giving up a first round pick. And man, even if it's a top three, top five, top eight protected first round pick for the right to pay Laurie Markkinen, according to Jake Fisher, Bleacher Report, he's looking for 15 million a year. That's not for me. Giving up another first round pick to pay Markkinen 14 million or 15 million or whatever, when you've already got, uh, you know, a few guys that look like they can play at the four, right? I mean, and we'll talk about this next segment. So this, is a, this is a fairly good segue. But, you know, from if you bring back Jared Vanderbilt, Jade McDaniels, Juancho Hernan Gomez, you've got if you I mean, I'd rather have Paul Millsap at six, seven million than give up a first rounder to pay Laurie Markin in 15 million. Um, obviously, they're different players and they're going to play, you know, Millsap somewhat limited. He's going to play 20, 24 minutes a game at max at this point in his career. Um, but I just I, I don't like giving up a pick for a guy with as many question marks as Markkanen and, and, you know, defensive issues as Markkanen to pay him 50 million. That's just not the move that I would make if I were the Timberwolves. Okay. So that leads us into the power forward conversation. I want to go through the depth chart essentially and talk about who the Wolves have on the roster. Who's going to get, if the season started today, what's your power forward rotation? What does that look like? First, let's talk about bet online. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Baseball season is well more than half over now. And we're into week one of the NFL preseason NBA Summer League. I, I mean, you could bet on Summer League. You could track all that action on Bet Online. Get all the latest news, odds, and info for all your sporting needs. Before the next pitch, head to Bet Online on your laptop or your mobile device. Check out all the great sporting news, sign up bonuses, and contest information. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore. This is your chance to get into the game. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today. Receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit with the promo code locked on. Again, that's promo code locked on for a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. All right, let's talk about the power forward spot. So, the Timberwolves have a bunch of guys. If you just look at the depth chart, you know, they've obviously got a bunch of, of wings of twos and threes. They've got a bunch of guys who can play the four. They don't have anybody that's like, Jared Vanderbilt's really the only guy who you look at and say, okay, he only plays the power forward spot. And and again, he's a restricted free agent. He's technically not on the depth chart right now, but I think it's still pretty likely he comes back. Vando's really the only guy you look at it and say, he's a power forward and nothing else. You could say that about Juancho Hernan Gomez, although last year, Chris Finch played him at the three a fair amount after he took over. And so I think Finch sees him as somebody that can play the three Vanderbilt's offensive limitations and, you know, keep him at the four and he can't really slide to the five, five in most situations because, um, well, mostly because of size, uh, he struggled with bigger fours last year and at times with fives, I think briefly Ryan Saunders tried him at the five. It didn't work out great. Um, if the season started today, here's the depth chart at power forward. Jade McDaniels, you'd have to put him number one. We could talk about whether or not he plays more minutes at the three or the four, but Jade McDaniels would be at the top of the depth chart. He'd be followed by Torian Prince, who they just acquired in the Rubio deal a couple weeks ago. Juancho Hernan Gomez, Jared Vanderbilt, 
And now we've got Nathan Knight, the two-way player who, with his Friday night, you know, scrimmage performance at Target Center last Friday, and then his his summer league performance on Monday, is already a legend. Um, and there's tons of night puns out there, and I got to come up with something that's unique and original at this point. It's going to be tough. Um, but there's a lot of guys that can play the four, and that's not even including, you know, Nas Reed's going to play some four. He did that you know, under Chris Finch, certainly more than he did under Saunders. Jake Lehman can play the four, although I think that we'll see him much more as a three at this stage. Um, Josh Kogi, of course, played some four last year and and, and can um, and does function as a four offensively, which is important to keep in mind, right? So to that point, there are not infinite combinations. You can't play Josh Kogi at the three and Jared Vanderbilt at the four. That won't work. Um, if you're going to do that, you got to have McDaniels, or the most likely combination there, for instance, if a Kogi's at the three, is McDaniels at the four. Because then on offense, McDaniels can function as a three, whereas a Kogi functions as a four, stays in the dunker spot. Maybe he's at the elbow in some horn sets, sets some screens, um, rolls to the basket. You know, he's not going to be above the break outside the arc, right? That's, 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 that, those days are done for Josh Kogi under Chris Finch. That's not happening. So if a Kogi is on the floor, it's got to be with Jaden McDaniels. It can't be Jared Vanderbilt. You could do it with Wacho Hernan Gomez. You know, it not, it's not going to be as effective. Um, same with Torian Prince. But it, that's that's just one example of the combinations aren't exactly infinite. Um, so what does this look like for the Wolves? Does Jaden McDaniel start at the four with, with Edwards at the three and Beasley at the two? As of today, I think that's the most likely scenario. And then with the bench unit, McDaniels could play some three. Torian Prince could play both the three and the four. Um, and then Wancho's kind of your next man up. Sitting here today, though, Wancho feels like the most likely guy to be gone um, or or potentially be out of the rotation simply because, I mean, factor in some of the weird offseason stuff that happened with him and Team Spain and, and the Wolves allegedly being wishy-washy according to, to Spain and according to Hernan Gomez's camp. Rubio's been traded, his friend and country mate. Is there a possibility that the Wolves trade Wancho before the season? Yeah, I think so. Um, I think it's more likely he's on the team and ends up getting traded by the deadline. Um, there could be another team that's in the market for essentially uh, an expiring contract on a stretch four. Um, so that's always a possibility, especially if the Wolves really like, if they get Vanderbilt back, if they love Vanderbilt, if they like McDaniels at the four, if they like Nathan Knight a lot, um, then Wancho becomes the odd man out here. So all that to say, there's a ton of options um, and there's a lot to like here, right? Vanderbilt is the only guy that's that's truly a plus rebounder, except for maybe Nathan Knight. We haven't seen him in action enough to know for sure, but in theory, he's a good rebounder as well. We saw that in, in Summer League on Monday. Um, so Vando and Knight are your two plus rebounders. McDaniels is going to play half his minutes at the three. I think that's pretty clear. Um, so Knight and Vanderbilt are where you're going to get your rebounding if they're on the court, right? The other guys are all kind of minus rebounders. Um, Shooting-wise, Torian Prince, Juancho Hernan Gomez are both above average shooters from outside the arc. McDaniels should be in theory. He's he's roughly league average. Knight is a, is a notch below that, and Vando can't shoot from outside the arc. So you've got a variety of skill sets there. Uh, defensively, Jared Vanderbilt and Jaden McDaniels are your only obvious plus defenders. Nathan Knight has the ability to be that, and, and I, I would put him in that same category. Well, maybe not the same category as McDaniels. McDaniels is more switchable than Vando. He, of course, can play the three. He can switch on to win guys. Vando can't really do that, and he, he can't really guard fives effectively. So he's more of like a strict four who can switch on to threes and fives. Not quite as good as McDaniels defensively. Vando's value comes from his energy, the fact that he plays hard and can rebound his position. Um, so McDaniels is really your clear plus there. Um, so 
I guess I guess the way we're looking at this is this is basically a five-headed monster at the moment, not including Nas Reed, right? And Nas is going to play some at the four. But each of these guys brings something different to the table. It's going to be, it's tough to sit here now and say, oh, this guy for sure is the odd man out because you can make an argument for all of them to receive playing time, but they're simply not all going to get playing time. It just can't happen. So sitting here today, I think, the, the breakdown is McDaniel starts at the four. I think Torian Prince is kind of the first off the bench at the three and the four. McDaniels can slide to the three, allow Prince to play the four, depending on the situation in the matchup. I think Jared Vanderbilt is your energy guy who's next up. And I think Wancho is kind of on the outside looking in if Vando's back. Nathan Knight's a two-way guy. So my guess is he doesn't get minutes to start the season. I think he's in the G League with the Iowa Wolves until... Um, and less than until there's an injury, hopefully not, but we know how these things work, right? So somebody's going to get banged up or whatever the case might be. Maybe they trade Wancho and Nathan Knight gets his opportunity. But if they bring back Vando, that's kind of your rotation, right? It's it's McDaniels with Prince and, and Vanderbilt behind him. And then it's Reed as somebody else who's going to see minutes at the four and, and large lineups next to Towns, but he's also your primary backup five. Um, but there's a lot to like there. I don't think the Wolves need to give up. And this is all this to say, the Wolves don't need to give up a first round pick and pay $15 million. Uh, plus also, by the way, it, the Wolves also have to send out salary in this situation, right? And, and the Bulls are apparently saying they don't want to take on salary. There'd have to be a third team. So it's messy. But basically the Wolves would have to say trade Torian Prince and a pick and overpay Laurie Markkinen. Yeah, Markkinen's better than Torian Prince, but is he worth paying him a few million more and giving up a first round pick? You know, and not just a few million more this year, but over the next three, four years, however many years he gets. No, the answer is no. The Wolves have enough talent at the power forward position to at least get a better idea of what they want to do long term here moving forward. And because they're all a little bit different, the Wolves can kind of get a look. Chris Finch can get a look and Gerson Rosas can get an idea for what four fits best next to Towns. I mean, Towns has not played a full season in either of Gerson Rosas's years in charge with the Wolves. There's a new coach now. Um, so there's also some merit to just kind of like, what do we have? What is on the roster? How does McDaniels, how do McDaniels and Towns work together? How potentially could a healthy Wancho um, you know, fit with Carl Anthony Towns? How would a switchable, more of a 3-4 hybrid in Torian Prince work next to Carl Anthony Towns? There's some of these questions that haven't entirely been answered and especially not in Chris Finch's system. So the idea of overpaying for a guy like Markinen doesn't make a ton of sense. Now, if the Wolves bring in a Paul Millsap, I'm on board with that move. It makes Vanderbilt unlikely to come back unless the Wolves were able to trade Wancho and, you know, trade Wancho. I don't know how, but maybe you trade him. You're able to to sign Paul Millsap. You bring back Jared Vanderbilt and, and that's maybe the best case scenario, but it's also pretty unlikely to happen. Um, so at the end of the day, the Wolves have tons of options at the four and they're all good in some respect, right? Um, and there's nobody, by the way, that the Wolves have hitched their wagon to beyond this year. Jaden McDaniels is the only one, and he's only guaranteed, well, he's not even guaranteed money next year, but he's obviously going to get, he's got two more years on his rookie deal after this. Um, and he'll be, you know, 2 million next year, uh, probably a little under 4 million the year after that on his rookie contract. That's basically nothing. The Wolves only have a year left on Torian Prince. They only have a year left on Juancho Hernan Gomez. Nathan Knight's a one-year two-way deal. Jared Vanderbilt uh, probably will get multiple years if they bring him back, but the dollars won't be insane. So the Wolves have not hitched their wagon to anybody, um, and that is to their advantage here moving forward. Um, but it'll be interesting to see how this plays out through the rest of the offseason. And if the Wolves do you know, try and make a free agency move or a, a play on the, on the trade market, but I think this is very likely the, uh, the group of power forwards we'll see. Um, as we get into the fall. 
Okay, that's all we have for you today here on the show. We'll be back, of course, tomorrow. Uh, tomorrow, Thursday afternoon, three o'clock is Wolves. Uh, I forget who they're playing. Wolves, Bulls, I think, on NBA TV um, in Summer League. So we'll talk about that on Friday's show. But of course, we'll be back tomorrow as well. Quick reminder, you can follow this podcast anywhere you listen to podcasts. That, of course, includes Apple, Google, Spotify, and the all-new Odyssey app. You can also follow on Twitter at Locked on T-Wolves and at B-Beacon. A reminder that the Locked on Wolves podcast is part of the Locked on Podcast Network. Remember, the Locked on Network is your local experts on all the biggest stories. Once again, I'm Ben Beacon. This is the Locked on Wolves podcast, and we'll catch you next time. Hey, betting on any sport, including the NBA, does not have to be a guessing game if you listen to the Locked on Bets podcast hosted by your boy Q and handicapping expert Lee Sterling. Get daily picks, blowout specials, wrong team favorite picks, and Lee Sterling's lock of the day. Follow the Locked on Bets podcast brought to you by betonline.ag wherever you get podcasts.